Welcome to the Hill City Church Podcast. We are a church family located in Springfield, Missouri. You can learn more about us and support our ministries at hillcitysgf.org. Good morning, Hill City Church. It's December. Listen, some of you maybe not be as fired up. As I am, I love this time of year. You know this. I do this every year. Some of you are like, this is gross. Just get over it. I love Christmas. I love this time of year. Now listen, simultaneously, let me tell you this. I could easily be depressed this time of year, just so you know. But I'm like, no way. I'm not even going to let that happen. I love this time of year. I love December. I love Christmas. I love the lights that are on houses. I like driving around looking at the lights. I love Christmas trees and seeing ornaments on trees. I actually love Christmas music. I don't like it in October, but I love it. I love that we sang it this morning. I love Christmas and all that it brings. And my prayer is that everyone here would find someone that would look at them this holiday season the way that I look at Christmas cakes. Because <laughs> then I know you found it. <laughs> so we have Lightco here. I'm going to throw you guys some Christmas cakes because it's the season of giving. Who's still? All right, listen, listen. Don't act like you don't love Christmas cakes, all right? Now listen, don't tell anybody. These are, these are zebra cakes. They just... They just make them red and green for Christmas, but I love zebra. You, want, you guys want some Christmas? Okay. Who, who wants one way back there? Anybody want one? Listen, I'm going to blow my shoulder out right here. Let's go. I'm going to do that again. Michael Robinson's scared to death we're going to get sued. Sean, you love these. Let's go. Listen, uh, see, here we go. Listen, I, I don't just stop at Christmas. Like, I actually... I love New Year's Eve. I go to bed at 9 p.m., but don't worry about that part of it. I love New Year's Eve. I love New Year's Day, okay? And I just want to let you guys know this year before we dive in. So, so on New Year's Day, it's a Sunday, and we are going to gather on New Year's Day. It's just that we're not going to gather on New Year's Day morning. So that Sunday, New Year's Day, it's still holiday season in my opinion. I want you guys to be here. We're going to meet at 5 p.m. right here. We're just going to have one gathering at 5 p.m. And specifically, I want to talk to this, this gathering. I mean, I, I'm going to say this at the other one too, but like most of our college students are going to be gone. We're going to have a chat on New Year's Day to the adults. And specifically about who, who, who are we, Hill City? We're going to look back at our vision, look back at uh, some things, and then just look at the year, 2023. Who are we? But that also then is going to cause us to be like, hey, this is, this is not who we are. We're going to have some of those conversations, too. It's going to be a very important Sunday for us. So I would love for you to just prioritize that and be here on New Year's Day at 5 p.m., okay? Let me pray, and then we'll jump in. So, God, we love you. Thank you for your word. Thank you for Christmas. Thank you for Jesus and that we have life because of Jesus. So you are here already. We know this, and you are welcome here. So... May we see you today and see awesome things from your word. It's your name that I pray. Amen. So all semester we were in a series called The Throne. We started uh, that Israel wanted a king. And it was, it was Saul that they got. That was the people's king. 
right? He fit all, he fit all the things that the world would, would value, and it did not go well. And then God comes along, and he chooses David to be king. This is God's king. And yes, David did some magnificent things. He is the greatest king that Israel uh, ever had. He is a hero of the faith, but David was messed up also, and we walked through a lot of his tragedy this semester. And then we learned that even Solomon didn't do it, the wisest man that ever, that ever lived. He couldn't do it, and then king after king after king in Israel, like, they just failed. So it was failure after failure, unworthy king after unworthy king came along. And what we learned is that Israel had to have a worthy king, but not just Israel. Humanity needed, we needed a worthy king. We need a king of kings. And thanks be to God that he sent us one. And this is the season that we celebrate. This is what Advent is about. The King of Kings has come. But we must ask, what, why all these so unworthy, messed up kings? Well, we can just follow that up with why all these so unworthy and messed up people on the planet. And last week, we were, we were shown, it was Genesis chapter 3 is the reason that we had all these messed up and unworthy people. And Aaron gave us the diagnosis, and the diagnosis was sin. Sin came into the world in Genesis chapter 3, and that is the issue. And then we saw that all creation still groans. There is a problem of sin. That is the diagnosis that must be addressed. So as we go through this Advent season, let me just tell you the pathway that we are going to travel. So we talked about the diagnosis of sin, and Aaron told us last week, no, there is hope. God made a way for our sin to be dealt with. And while all creation still groans, there is hope that one day all things will be indeed made new. But we had this diagnosis. This week we are going to look at uh, a surgery. We're going to look at a procedure to deal with this diagnosis. And then in week three, as we look at joy, so this week we'll look at peace. Week three, we're going to look at joy because there's always a recovery after a surgery or a procedure. Those of you, you know this, right? And oftentimes that's actually where the most pain and suffering can take place in that recovery. And this is why we'll look next week at joy. And then the last week as we look at love, we will just take a look at the future. Because that is, uh, once that recovery happens, then it's the future that gets brighter. So let's talk about this week. We're going to talk about a procedure, specifically a surgery. But it's a procedure that leads to peace. So our king comes, our king of king. The prince of peace comes and he, he performs this miracle, really. God comes, Jesus Christ, he takes on flesh, becomes one of us. He doesn't just take on flesh, he, he actually goes to a cross and takes on our sin. He goes to a cross, he, he took on and takes on our death. Our king died on a cross, he was buried, and three days later he rose to life, and Jesus Christ today sits on his throne as the defeater of all of our sin and death. And Romans 8.1 says this. 
There is therefore now no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus. There is therefore now no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus. There is therefore now no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus. I cannot give you better news. No better news could be delivered from any stage at any time than there is therefore now no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus. This is what our Prince of Peace offers. Jesus' death in place of ours, and he offers new life. He offers new birth. And it led me to this. A guy that discipled me would always say, if you, if you are born once, you will die twice. But if you are born twice, you will only die once. Specifically speaking, we are all going to die this physical death. But we all do not have to die a spiritual death. This is what Jesus was talking about when he said to Nicodemus, you must be born again. And we sing this, right? A Christmas song. It's that season. Hark the herald angels sing, hail the heaven-born prince of peace. Hail the son of righteousness. By the way, that's what you say to a king. Hail to the king, the king of kings. Light and life to all he brings, risen with healing in his wings, mild he lays his glory by, born that no more may die. And here we go. Born to raise the sons of earth. Born to give them a second birth. Hark the herald angels sing glory to the newborn king. Let me tell you something about these old songwriters. They read their Bibles. It's rich with theology. Born once, you will die twice born twice, you only die once. So I want to take this time in this season. Listen, we have people that just decide, man, I need to visit church. It's Christmas season. I want to, I want to go to church. And that is true of Hill City. Some of you are here, and I just want to offer and extend to you this sort of invitation to follow Jesus. If you are not following Jesus, that you would, that you would place your faith in him and experience this second birth. And Romans chapter 10 would say, if you confess with your mouth that Jesus is Lord, in other words, Jesus is King, and you believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead, then you will be saved. You will experience this second birth. It's just confession and repentance. And this is our first procedure that we're going to talk about. This procedure that we take part in, it's confession and repentance. And this is where my unrighteousness, my chaos, my sin is removed. And then the righteousness of Christ and the peace of God and the perfection of our King is placed on me because it's a new birth. And when this happens, we know that we are secure when we stand before God. See, this is a message of peace. 
When you do this, you are secure as you stand before God that he is going to look at you and he will say, not guilty. He will say, she's mine. He will say, this one is free. This one is righteous. This is the procedure. This is what we must do. So if you haven't done that this morning, I've prayed for you. People have prayed for you this morning. We had people walking in and out of these seats, up in the balcony, in every hallway. We prayed for you that the Lord would invade your heart in this place today and that you would pass from death to life. And that can happen this morning. And the majority of us who sit in this room, the majority of you right now are going, okay, we did this, but like, like we've passed from death to life. Like, what do we do? Well, here's a reality that we must talk about as we look at this, at an ongoing procedure, as we look toward and for a life of peace. We know that once we are in Christ Jesus, we all know this, this doesn't just get super easy. Right? It's not all just like Christmas cakes and chocolate milk. It's, life is hard. Sin doesn't magically go away. Living a holy life, there are actually times it still seems unnatural. Amen, Hill City? It does. There are things that happen in my life that still seem to be worthy of condemnation. There are things that happen in my life as, yes, I have experienced this new birth, I have become a new humanity, but sometimes this old humanity creeps up. Can I just give you a picture of this old humanity? See, I, I love... Romans 8, there is therefore now no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus. But let me just give you a picture of this old life. Let me give you a picture of old humanity. For I do not understand my own actions, for I do not do what I want, but I do the very thing that I hate. Now if I do what I do not want, I agree with the law that is Good, so now it is no longer I who do it, but sin that dwells within me. For I know that nothing good dwells within me. That is in my flesh, for I have the desire, I have the desire to do what is right, but do not have the ability to carry it out. For I do not do the good that I want, but the evil that I do not want is what I keep on doing. Now if I do what I do not want, it is no longer I who do it, but sin that dwells in me. So I find it to be a law that when I want to do right, evil lies close at hand. Does that sound familiar? That's that picture of that old humanity. So what do we do with this? Well, keep reading. <laughs> what do I do with that, Brad? Yes, I, I get that. Okay, don't stop reading then. 
Paul, he goes on, wretched man that I am, who will deliver me from this? Thanks be to God through Jesus Christ our Lord. So then I myself serve the law of God with my mind, but my flesh I serve the law of sin. Thanks be to God through Jesus Christ our Lord. Then you get to Romans chapter 8 verse 1. There is therefore now no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus. It doesn't say there is therefore later no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus. Let me repeat this word after me. This is incredible. Now. What did I just say? Ooh, I can't give you better news. But Brad, you still, there, there's still this thing going on here. Like there, you haven't talked to us about this procedure. I still feel like that times that, that I don't have this peace. Yes, so we have this one-time procedure. We call it salvation, where the Holy Spirit of God moves in and indwells us. In Romans chapter 8, verse 9, you, however, are not in the flesh. That's all of us who are following Jesus. You are not in the flesh, but in the Spirit, if in fact the Spirit of God dwells in you. So let me tell you this. If you have placed your faith in Jesus Christ, if you are following him, if you have been born again, the Holy Spirit of God lives inside of you. This isn't something that has to happen outside of salvation, right? So that's why we don't say things like, well, so-and-so got saved. So-and-so was born again. And then like three months later, like, oh, so-and-so got the Spirit. No, wait a minute. I thought you said so-and-so was born again. Yes, it happens at the same time. You get the Holy Spirit. He indwells. He lives within you. That is a procedure. But there is an ongoing procedure for those of us who are following Jesus. An ongoing procedure of peace. And I want you to get this today. Two things. This isn't, this isn't exhaustive, but two things I want us to get today as an ongoing procedure. And we'll look at it in Romans chapter 8. One, we set our minds on the Spirit and rely on Him. Okay, that's one. And then the second thing that we must do is admit our weaknesses. So let's talk about setting our minds. Romans chapter 8 verse 5 said, For those who live according to the flesh set their minds on the things of the flesh. But those who live according to the Spirit set their minds on the things of the Spirit. For to set the mind on the flesh is death, but to set the mind on the Spirit is life and peace. Hey, hello, Advent. Peace. What? I like that. Because Romans chapter 7, that thing I read, that like, man, I do this, but I don't want to do this, and I do that. That doesn't sound like peace to me. Does that sound very peaceful to you? It's not peace. We've experienced that. It's chaos. So what, what, what is Paul saying here when he's using this term, set your minds? This means to think, to act, to live in the purpose of or go the direction of something. That is to set our minds. John Piper says this, because I, I want you to understand this, because we can do that with the, in the flesh, or we can do that in the spirit. So this word flesh, right, I'm not talking about like, Flesh and blood, like we're not talking about bones and skin and muscles and all that. Flesh, any human action or achievement without dependence upon the Holy Spirit and without glorying, exalting in, trusting or treasuring and valuing Jesus Christ. That's a quote from Piper. So let me, let me give you just a more tangible example of how this might play out. Flesh. In, when, when you set your mind on the things of the flesh, those who set their mind on 
the things of the flesh, that they live sort of like this. They start with, what can I do? Those who live according to the flesh, they do things their way. I do things my way. I know best. Then what happens is they become blind to sin, or I would become blind to my sin. Then chaos ensues, and then you suffer. This is life. I just just described for you life apart from Christ. Now, spirit, life in the spirit, going the direction of the spirit, to think and act, to live in the purpose of the spirit. I start with what can God do, not what can I do. I do things God's way. I, I know that God knows best and I trust him. I see my sin more clearly. Then I confess my weakness. Then I confess my sin and then I am able to truly walk in peace. So this idea of setting our minds. Philippians talks about this, chapter 2, verse 3. Do nothing from selfish ambition or conceit, but in humility count others more significant than yourself. Let each of you not only look to his own interest, but also the interest of others. Have this mind among yourselves, which is yours in Christ Jesus. This isn't impossible. You can have this mind in Christ Jesus. Then later on in Philippians chapter 4, like, okay, how do, we, how do we tangibly sort of adopt and have this mind? Finally, brothers, here it is. Whatever is true, whatever is honorable, whatever is just, whatever is pure, whatever is lovely, whatever is commendable, if there's any excellence, if there's anything worthy of praise, think about these things. What you have learned and received and heard and seen in me, practice these things. Here we go. And the God of peace will be with you. So practical, you know, like we got to be practical here. How can I set my mind? How about this? We can start, this is just one example. We can just ask this question based off Philippians 4. Is this thought, is this action, is this attitude God-honoring? Is this post God-honoring? Is this post Is this action, attitude, thought, is it selfish? Is it true? Is it pure? Is this commendable? Just ask those questions. And if ever the answer is no, then we repent. We confess and we repent. But we have to set our minds on the things of the Spirit. Now here's the thing. The more that we do this, you don't just get this. This takes a lifetime But the more that we do this, we will literally change our minds. Like science caught up with the Bible, it always does, eventually. But what we do when we do this is we build and then we reinforce neural pathways that we can travel. And here's the reality. If if we travel and build neural pathways of the flesh, that pathway leads to death. If we build and we travel pathways of the Spirit, those pathways lead to life. So, okay, I got it. I got to think differently. I got to rely on the Spirit. I set my mind and then rely on the Spirit. Again, for those who set the mind on the flesh is death, but they set the mind on the Spirit is life. This is a life and death thing here, okay? 
We have to trust the Spirit, and then we have to obey the Spirit. Paul writes about this all over the place, but in Corinthians chapter 2, Now we have not received the Spirit of the world, but the Spirit who is from God, that we might understand the things freely given us by God. So here's what happens. You experience this second birth. Now you're purposing in your mind, you're going to live by the Spirit. And what the Spirit will do is the Spirit will open and give us eyes to see. The Spirit will give us ears to hear. We will hear truth and be like, yes, that is the truth. And then, by faith, we walk in step with the Holy Spirit of God. And what will happen then is it will produce the fruit of walking in step with the Spirit, which you guys know, love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, faithfulness, gentleness, self-control. We can keep going, right? This is what happens. But you cannot do this on your own power. You can't produce the fruit of love, joy, and peace, and patience, and long-suffering. You cannot do that on your own power. This is the fruit of the Spirit, not the fruit of Brad. Not by my might, nor by power, but by the Spirit, says the Lord Almighty. Okay, so how do I know if my mind is set correctly? How do I know if I'm relying on the Spirit? Well, there are a handful of ways, but one in particular I want to tell you, and this is number two of our procedure. So one, what we need to do is we need to rely on the Spirit. How do we do that? Some of you are going to hate this. You admit that you are weak. You admit your weakness, Romans chapter 8. We're still in Romans chapter 8. Likewise, the Spirit helps us in our weakness. For we do not know what to pray for as we ought, but the Spirit himself intercedes for us with groanings too deep for, for words. Hmm. So we are weak. Second Corinthians chapter 12. But he said to me, my grace is sufficient for you, for my power is made perfect in weakness. Therefore, I will boast all the more gladly of my weakness. This is Paul talking. So that the power of Christ may rest upon me. For the sake of Christ, then, I am content with weaknesses, insults, hardships, persecutions, and calamities. For when I am weak, then I am strong. This is why we need to admit our weaknesses. So how can, how can one tell that someone has truly admitted their weakness? How can one tell that someone is truly relying on the Spirit? How can one tell that the mind is set on the things of the Spirit? Two things. We hear from God and we talk to God. Listen, how do I set my mind on the things of the Spirit? Well, good for us. The Holy Spirit breathed out a book that we can go feed our minds with that thing. It's called God's Word right here. So we feed our minds. This is how we can set our mind. He breathed out words. Like the answers that we are looking for, they will not come from within. That's what the world tells us. Look within and you will find blah. That's what you'll find. The answers won't come from within. So we want to hear from God and then we must talk 
to God. And this is what I want us to get. Hill City Church, I need your eyes. Listen. I know if you are admitting your weaknesses, if you are praying, we must become even more of a praying people. So listen, can I just boast, listen, I'm gonna, can I boast in my weaknesses just for a minute? And I want to do this in humility, okay? I'm going to boast, can I do that? Okay, look at me. I'm not a gifted speaker. You think I don't know that, okay? I'm not, I'm not dynamic in my communication. I'm not, like, I'm not highly educated. I'm not well-spoken. I'm not a leadership guru. Oh, this guy really knows how to lead a staff and lead people and rally people. Listen, I understand that. It's not me. You already knew that. I just want to give you some peace. I'm just going to admit that to you. I know that too. But I'm going to tell you something that I do. And you, and you have my... I pray like crazy. Listen, your elders do too. I'm not the only elder. Okay? I get in God's word and I study. I do my best to try to teach God's word and bring it to you. But listen to me, the thing that I do more than anything else for this church, for you, for my wife, for my kids, the thing that I do the most is pray because I am so weak. And you are too. If you are not praying, I don't know what else there is for you to do. Can I just, listen, I, I pastor you. I'm not throwing anyone under the bus here. Can I just talk about some weaknesses that are sitting in front of me right now? Some of you in here are trying to become parents, and God hasn't answered that prayer. That's a weakness, and it's okay. And see, what you're doing, instead of boasting in your weakness, is you're like, no, my wife and I, we can get through this together. My wife and I and God, right? Just, okay, we don't bother people with this. And what happens is, no, that you're not boasting in your weakness. That's a pride move. And you're not bringing other people in on that to pray for you that God might bless you with a child. And I would ask you to boast in your weakness this morning and allow people to pray that God would bless you with a child. Some of you, your marriages are on life support, and you're just sucking it up, and we're going to put our smile on when we go to this church today. No one can know about this, and you're not boasting in your weakness. That's a pride move. There's no peace in that, and you need a procedure this morning. Just to boast in your weakness and allow other people to pray that God would enter your marriage and rescue that thing. Some of you are sick and you haven't told anyone. 
You've been to the doctor, and you're like, no, we'll just, I can do this. I'm going to suck it up and do this. And God's word, the Holy Spirit breathed out words that said, if any of you is sick, let him come to the elders and be prayed over for healing. But you won't do that because there's pride. You don't want to admit your weakness. And there's no peace. And some of you are addicted. I could go all day, but there, there's an addiction. You're like, no, if no it's, I'm not hurting anybody here. No one knows. If I'm just, it's just my issue. I'm not hurting anybody with this. If no one else knows about this, and what you're doing is, is, is that's a pride move. And you think that you're strong. God already knows that we all are weak. And we need to boast in that weakness. And you need to come to somebody. You need to tell them that you're addicted and allow God's people to pray with you. So that you can experience peace. season there is therefore now no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus you read that every single night before you go to bed for the next 30 days your life will change I'm telling you your life will change but we have to be a church of people rely on the Holy Spirit of God. And the first step is that we are people who admit our weaknesses and we pray. There's an old hymn. All the church kids know it. I'm not going to sing it. I've been advised against that. What a friend we have in Jesus, all our sins and griefs to bear. What a privilege to carry everything to God in prayer. And here's the line, oh, what peace we often forfeit. Oh, what needless pain we bear, all because we do not carry everything to God in prayer. How is this possible? That's what some of you are thinking. I know of skeptics, cynics, whatever. I, I'm in the boat with you sometimes. How is this possible that there's no condemnation for those in Christ Jesus? If I, like if I told you what I did last night, if I told you what I looked at this week while I was driving my truck at work, if I told you that, you wouldn't read that verse to me this week. How is that possible? How is it possible that we can go to God and pray and admit our weaknesses? Listen, why do you think we make such a big deal about the cross of Jesus Christ in this place every single week? It's not just this thing out there. We truly believe in the power of the blood of Jesus Christ that was spilled on our behalf on the cross, our King of Kings. That's how this is possible. And he was buried and he rose again. Listen, I want you to stand with me. 
I don't want this communion thing to just become this ritualistic thing that we do that we don't give thought to. When you come to the table this morning, you're going to see bread. It's going to be torn. It's going to, yes, it's going to be dipped in the cup. And all we know, okay, listen, this is for those of us who are following Jesus. We know it represents the body of our king and the blood of our king spilled for us. And it's an amazing thing that we get to do. But what we're getting ready to celebrate at this table is the very reason that we can go to Romans 8, 1 and be like, there is now, therefore, no condemnation for me because I am in Christ Jesus. Can you preach that to yourself as you come to the table? And then we're going to have some staff. We're going to have some elders. We're going to have some people who aren't staff or elders, and they're going to be here ready to pray with you. Listen, every week we do this. I haven't prayed with one couple that's come down and said, we want to be a mom and dad, and it's not happening. I have not had one couple come down and do that. I'm not trying to guilt you. I'm just saying, like, what are we here for? Like, can we take our time as we come to the table and together just boast in our weakness and pray? That's what we're here for. Let's pray together. Hill City, can we do this?